Time for Locked On Mariners, gang, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I am DC Lundberg, back with you on this Friday morning. Hopefully a little less salty and more coherent than I was on the last show. No more 1 a.m. recording sessions for me. I either get super ornery or start tripping over my words like Foster Brooks. Now there's a reference the 18-34 to crowd will get. You can access this program and all the other programs on the Locked On Network on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, or pretty much any other podcasting app that you care to use. Ask your smart device to play Locked On Mariners Podcast. And remember to follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. And I am on Twitter as well, ladies and gentlemen, at DC underscore Lundberg. L-U-N-D-B-E-R-G if you are scoring at home. Today, we will wrap up our week-long series looking at the Mariners roster going into spring training. Today, it's the catchers. And in the second half of the program, our first mailbag segment where I answer your email questions. Before any of that takes place, though, I have a correction to issue. Yesterday, while speaking about Yoshihisa Hirano, I made a mistake. I said that last season he had an ERA of 275. I misspoke. His ERA was 475. Again, with a 1 a.m. recording session. I didn't catch it until the show had been published. I apologize. On to the catchers. Last season, the Mariners started out the season with Omar Narvaez as the starter, but Tom Murphy emerged as an offensive threat, and the two of them split time behind the dish. Offensively, they were somewhat similar, though Murphy outslugged Narvaez 535-460, to and defensively, Murphy was much, much better. Narvaez only threw out 18% of potential base stealers, 9% below league average. Murphy, on the other hand, threw out 39% of would-be base thieves. They both allowed three passed balls, but Narvaez caught more innings. Still, Murphy is by far the better defender, and Narvaez was shipped off to the Brewers for a pitching prospect. I spoke about Narvaez on Tuesday's episode of Locked on Brewers with Ben Larson. Check it out. Ben does a really good job on the Brewers show. Baseball Reference projects Murphy to regress a little bit to a 252 batting average, 309 on base, and 477 slugging. I think he will regress a bit, but maybe not that markedly. He does have a bit of a platoon split. He has historically hit better against left-handed pitching. This split was exaggerated somewhat last season since Narvaez saw most of the playing time against righties. Even if he does regress, his defense still makes him valuable. I mean, don't get me wrong, he's no Dan Wilson back there, but he's pretty good. He gets the job done for sure. Austin Nola will be the backup this season. Last year, he wasn't needed behind the plate so much because of the Murphy-Narvaez tandem, but he was needed in the infield, mostly at first base. Last year was his first taste of Major League action at the age of 29 after spending seven seasons in the minors. He was drafted as a shortstop, played a lot of short and third base early on, and some second base, so you know he's athletic. A couple years ago, he began to catch to make himself more versatile and more valuable. His offensive numbers have always been okay, nothing eye-popping but okay, but still for whatever reason he never got a look at the Major League level. In 2018, he hit 279 for AAA New Orleans in the Marlins system. He could not be ignored any longer after starting last year hitting 327 for AAA Tacoma through the middle of June when the Mariners called him up. He caught only seven games at the top level last year, but going over his minor league numbers defensively as a catcher, he looks okay. He throws out his share of base runners and has worked his tail off this offseason and last to improve behind the plate. The Mariners like him as a catcher, which in part made Narvaez expendable. 
He'll be a more than serviceable backup, especially if he hits the way he did last year, and I suspect he'll still see a little time in the infield also. Last season, the Mariners had a lot of flexibility at the catcher position since they did have Narvaez, Murphy, and Nola on the roster, with Nola playing mostly infield. It lets service start Murphy and Narvaez in the same game from time to time, with one of them being the DH, the other being the catcher. This year, they will not have that luxury. I'm not sure who they will designate as the emergency catcher. Shed Long started off his career as a catcher, but since I surmise he'll at least be in a timeshare as a starting second baseman, at least to start this season, I don't think it's going to be him. My guess, and this is just a wild guess, is that Dylan Moore is probably going to be the emergency catcher just since the Mariners have had him do everything else, including pitch. Speaking of pitching, I'll take this opportunity to remind you that Tom Murphy did pitch in a few games last season and was actually impressive. He had a 91-mile-an-hour fastball and had a legit decent slider. Since he's the starting catcher now, I doubt we'll see him back on the mound, which is kind of a shame, but it's very understandable. I assume Dylan Moore will also reassume the role of emergency pitcher. While Murphy and Nola are the only two catchers on the Mariners' 40-man roster, they have four catchers invited to spring training as non-roster invitees. The only one of them with any major league playing time is Joe Hudson, who will turn 29 years old in May. Last season, he was in the Cardinal system, appeared in one game at the major league level, and in 2018 appeared in eight games for the Los Angeles Angels. Hudson looks like the best option to come out of the minor leagues should Murphy or Nola have to go on the disabled list. He is definitely a defensive-minded catcher judging from his minor league numbers. He will definitely throw out his share of base runners, and he looks like something of a light hitter. So he looks like the classic AAA catcher who you can call up to the major leagues in a pinch. The next catcher I'll talk about is Brian O'Keefe, who was also in the Cardinals system last year. In fact, he spent his entire minor league career so far in the Cardinals chain. He's peaked at double A ball. Looks like he'll hit a few home runs, although he'll have a low batting average and a high strikeout total. He'll also throw out his share of base runners, maybe not as many as Hudson, but he still looks like he could be a good defensive catcher. And he will be 27 years old in July. Joe Odom is another non-roster invitee to spring training. He's been in the Mariners' system the last two years where he's seen action at both Tacoma and Arkansas both seasons. Something of a light hitter, he's not going to throw out as many base runners as O'Keefe or Hudson will. In fact, his caught stealing percentage is something below average. Honestly, I've never seen him play, so the only thing I can judge him on are his numbers at this point. I look forward to seeing what he looks like in training camp. The last non-roster invitee among the catchers are prospect Cal Raleigh, who the Mariners are very high on. He's a power hitter. The caught ceiling percentages look rather inconsistent from year to year and from level to level. Last year he saw action at both Advanced A Modesto and AA Arkansas. His numbers in Modesto looked really good, 36% caught stealing, but only 17% in Arkansas. Still, the Mariners like him for his offensive ability. He's going to hit some home runs. They also like his leadership, and they like the head on his shoulders, which is very important for a catcher. They think that he will be able to lead a pitching staff when all is said and done, which is not something that you can quantify in statistics. Well, gang, it's just about time for a break, which means it's time for today's Mariners trivia question. Only four players have had batting averages of over 300 as a Seattle Mariner. Who are they? They all played at least five seasons in Seattle. Remember, if you've got a question for me or a comment on the show, email me, lockedonmariners at gmail.com. Any and all questions are welcome, even silly ones that have nothing to do with baseball, as you will see in a moment. 
for coming up next is the inaugural mailbag segment. Locked on Mariners will return as soon as I remember what my email password is. Hey, this is Taylor Blake Ward with Locked On Angels, and you're listening to Locked On Mariners, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Now, here's your host, my good friend, D.C. Lundberg. Taylor Blake Ward, thank you for leading us back into the program. Ladies and gentlemen, go check out Taylor Blake Ward on Locked On Angels, which is right here on this very Locked On Podcast Network, or T-L-O-P-N, or Tloppin. I don't know why I say that. It strikes me funny for some reason. Thank you for sticking around. Second half of Locked On Mariners is about to begin, and the answer to the trivia question. Only four players have 300 career batting averages as Seattle Mariners. Who are they? Leading the pack is, of course, Ichiro with a 321 average. Edgar Martinez is number two with a 312 average. Alex Rodriguez and his 309 batting average. And the fourth one, believe it or not, is Phil Bradley, who hit 301 as a Mariner. Time to take some of your email questions. I got a few Twitter questions as well. I got a lot of email questions throughout this week and last week from uh, John and Fife. John, thank you very much for listening to the program every day, and thank you for all your questions as well. I got questions on a lot of everything, even pancakes. I made an offhand joke about sending questions about pancakes, and I got a couple of those. I'm going to save those for last. We will begin with a John and Fife question. He asks, Would you be so kind as to explain the Go Yelich comment in the Maniger episode? Well, the answer is very simple. Christian Yelich happens to be my favorite player right now. He also asks, why haven't the Mariners retired Randy Johnson's number? Kind of a two-part answer to this one. First of all, the Mariners have guidelines on what numbers can be retired. A player must have either spent his entire career with the Mariners and come close to being elected to the Hall of Fame or spent a significant portion of his career with the Mariners and be a Hall of Famer. The other part of it is Ichiro shared the same uniform number with Johnson. While Johnson was still an active player, Ichiro came over from Japan and wore number 51. Ichiro definitely meets the second criteria, or he will once he is elected to the Hall of Fame. He's a slam dunk first ballot guy. And once he does, I suspect that the Mariners will probably retire 51 for both Ichiro and Randy Johnson in a joint ceremony. Or at least I hope that's what happens, because they do both deserve it for sure. He also asks, does the number of votes a player got in the Hall of Fame voting matter in the long run so long as they are at or above the 75% threshold? Um, In reality, not really, but I'm also kind of of two minds on this, only because there were voters in the past who would say, well, if Babe Ruth wasn't unanimous, then nobody should be. I'm glad that's gone by the wayside. But in reality, if you're over the 75% threshold, you're a Hall of Famer, whether you got 100% or 75.1% or whatever percent. No, I really don't think it matters all that much. I'm curious as to who didn't vote for Jeter, just for curiosity's sake, nothing more than that. I will save some of the other John from Fife questions coming up in the next mailbag segments in the future. I'm going to jump over to Twitter for some questions now. This is from Johnny Lewis Official at Johnny Lewis 45, who asks, How will the Mariners compete in the AL West? Well, this is a rebuilding year. This is a year for the kids to develop and grow. So they're going to come in last, I think. But 
this is a rebuilding team, so that really should not be a surprise. Speaking of rebuilding, Taylor Blake Ward, the host of Locked on Angels, who brought us back in from commercial, asks me, better prospect in your opinion, Kalenic or J-Rod? Of course, referring to a combination of Jennifer Lopez and Alex Rodriguez, I think. Now it's Julio Rodriguez. Um, well, they both put up very similar numbers last year at the advanced A-level, and Julio Rodriguez is a little bit younger, so I would probably guess him. But to be completely honest, judging prospects is far from my strong suit, although you really can't go wrong with either one of these guys, I think. Thank you for that question, Taylor. And ladies and gentlemen, be sure to check out Locked on Angels, which Taylor Blake Ward hosts right here on the Locked on Podcast Network. He does a fantastic job covering the Los Angeles Angels. Another Locked on host, this one of Locked on Anaheim Ducks, Mr. Jason Hernandez asks me, Going over to the AL Central, do you think the Chai Sox have done enough to become legitimate contenders? You know, I'm really not sure. They are not in the best of divisions, which certainly helps their case. They added Yasmani Grandal as a free agent. He might be the best catcher in baseball, overall catcher in baseball. You'd have some arguments from the JT Real Muto camp. They also have James McCann, who's a legitimate catcher. They have Jose Breu and Yoan Moncada, who are very good players. Tim Anderson won the batting title last year. They added Edwin Encarnacion, former Mariner. They added Nomar Mazar, who's probably now their best outfielder. And they also added Gio Gonzalez and Dallas Keuchel to the pitching staff. I'm really not sure how it's going to shake out. I'm going to say, I don't know, which is probably the worst answer I could offer. But ladies and gentlemen, do go check out Locked On Anaheim Ducks, which again is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I've known Jason for years. He's also a great baseball guy, and I failed to mention his Twitter handle. You can find him on Twitter at StimpyJD. Our next question comes from another great baseball man that I've known for years, Jason Block, who was on this program on Wednesday, a part of Diamond Quiz at Beat the Block. He asks, does the Paxton injury hurt or help the Yankees? James Paxton is, of course, a familiar name to Mariners fans, former Mariner. I think any time you lose somebody who you were planning on for your starting rotation, it's going to hurt. However, the Yankees do have uh, Luis Severino, Tanaka, and, of course, free agent acquisition Garrett Cole. So they are still going to have a pretty strong starting rotation, which will get better once Paxton returns. Even when he was in Seattle, he was something of an injury-prone arm which was always something I was worried about with Paxton. He could never seem to stay healthy. But man, when he's healthy, he's on. So yes, I do think it hurts the Yankees, but not to the level of panic. Going to wrap it up here with a couple more questions. Saving the best for last. Yes, the questions I got about pancakes. First one being, is your favorite breakfast food pancakes? If not, why not? And what is your favorite? Honestly, I'm not really sure I have a favorite breakfast food. When I wake up in the morning, I usually just eat a bowl of cereal or something, if I eat at all. Sometimes I just wait until lunch. Although my go-to cereal usually is Raisin Nut Bran. I'm sorry if that answer is a little disappointing. One more question, and I think it's apropos that we end with John from Fife. Do you prefer pancakes or waffles, and what flavor syrup is your favorite? Between pancakes and waffles, I'm not really sure I could choose. It kind of depends on what mood I'm in. I love the chocolate chip pancakes at Frank's Diner, but they also put out one hell of a waffle. Plus, they got the best hash browns around. And in terms of syrup, I'm a maple guy, although I do like the butter pecan syrup at IHOP. Well, gang, that's going to wrap up the first edition of the mailbag here on Locked On Mariners. Send your email questions to LockedOnMariners at gmail.com for consideration in this very segment. I hope to do it every Friday, if I get enough emails, that is, but I'll accept Twitter questions also. Thank you to everybody who sent in a question. 
And before we wrap up for the week, I would like to say that if you have been listening to this show or the other wonderful programs here on the Locked On Podcast Network, then I'm sure you've heard all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans. But you may not know that Locked On Mariners is a great way for your local business to reach passionate M's fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach podcast listeners. I'm not talking about any podcast listener. We're talking Locked On podcast listeners. If your company wants to connect with Mariners fans and a predominantly male audience that's well-educated with a disposable income, then let's put your company right here on this Locked On podcast. Local fans love to support local businesses. So text the word advertising to 33777 or visit Locked on podcasts.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve locked on advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising to 33777 or visit locked on podcasts.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. That is the end of Locked On Mariners for today. I hope you enjoyed not only today's episode, but our previous episodes throughout the week where we looked at the Mariners roster and what it looks like going into spring training. Ladies and gentlemen, have a great weekend, and we'll see you back here on Monday. Monday.